Candy will return after these messages. Coming up on this episode of Rediscovered. The quietness of darkness, the stories told by firelight, the long nights, the food fights, a summer made of memories at Camp Candy. The moonlight, the sunshine, the rainy days and wet Welcome to Rediscovered, a podcast dedicated to reviewing TV, movies, and animation from the 80s that we haven't seen since its initial run or missed us altogether. And now your hosts, Jason and Wyatt. Welcome everybody to the Rediscover the 80s podcast and episode number eight of Rediscovered, our journey to review obscure and overlooked TV shows, movies, and cartoons from the 80s. I'm one of your hosts, Jason. With me as always on this journey is my bud Wyatt. How you doing, man? We're good. How are you? Hanging in there. Uh, Crazy times we live in Uh, (laughs) nowadays. It is, but now they've loosened the reins, at least up here, they've loosened up some of the reins, so things are getting yeah. back to semi-normal, I'll call it. I'm back to work, part-time, I'll call it. Hey, you know, it's something. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, we all had to adjust to COVID-19 and uh, actually never left work. I slowed a little bit for me. We've uh, been working four days a week for a while, had our first five-day week in probably, I don't know, a month and a half or two months this last week and uh just uh adjusting uh it is loosened up a little bit here as well but still got to be uh cautious and and cautiously optimistic when it comes to uh trying to get everything back to quote unquote normal if it ever gets to there (laughs) Uh, with that vaccine before we can have yeah that's uh definitely so i hope everybody is staying safe out there and if you're uh, shelter in place, if you're still in self-quarantine, we hope we can entertain you a little bit yeah. with these podcasts. But uh, we are uh, up to our, a cartoon show now on uh, episode number eight of Rediscovered. And we chose Camp Candy, which debuted back in 1989. Now, uh, I don't know. Why did we choose this one, Why? Why do you think? Uh, was it one that you watched at all as a kid? No, uh, this is a true discover, not even a rediscover for me. This is, I I think we aimed on it because we liked John Candy, the actor, especially mm-hmm. the movie actor. Uh, we can count the, the movies that we've watched with, you know, his hilarity, his comedy that he does. Our most, at least for me, the most notable one is uh, the, the Arm, Arm Arm Dangerous, Dangerous <laughs> where he's just, it's comedy. But he's trying to be serious throughout the whole thing. But it's you know it's it's his comedy as well, and it it, it was a yeah. blast watching it. But you know we see him in plane trains, automobiles, and and so forth. Uncle Buck with the, oh, you know gosh. the booming car. I love that part. Yeah. Right? Clock clock clock. Boom. Um, <laughs> but I think that's why we really kind of zeroed in on this because we liked John Candy. Yeah. And we 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 found ourselves uh, kind of fond of him and his acting. I think that's why we liked it. Um, I'll leave it there for that because we might not like the rest of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, I do remember watching it um, faintly. I mean, I had faint memories of watching it in its original run. But uh, basically all I knew was it was John Candy and they were at a camp. (laughs) So uh, then you can deduce that from the title. But I wanted to dig a little bit further, go back and uh, find these episodes and uh, watch. Uh, it was three seasons, so we didn't end up watching the whole entire series for this review. But we're going to give you our impressions of some of the episodes that we did watch. And uh, 
encourage you to go out and, and watch them as well. We'll tell you all about where you can find them and a little bit of the background and everything coming up. But uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce the show here and in, in its original run and everything. So it debuted on September 9th of 1989 or at the 8.30 a.m. slot on Saturday mornings. It ran for 13 episodes through December 16th. It was sandwiched in between ALF Tales, which I don't remember actually watching the ALF cartoons, at 8 a.m., and Captain N, the Game Master. I do remember that guy. At 9. Season 2 ran for 14 episodes in the fall of 1990 at the same time slot. And then Season 3 ran 13 episodes in syndication. Direct competition was... Muppet Babies on CBS. Well, that might be why I didn't watch Camp Candy, because I liked me my, my Muppet Babies back in the day. And I was on ABC for Gummy Bears. <laughs> I didn't pick up ABC, so Gummy Bears were uh, a what? What? There was a yeah. Gummy Bear? <laughs> but that, that was stiff competition, man. I mean, Muppet Babies ran for years. That was it a very did. popular I loved show. It. I don't know why, but I loved it. Oh, I liked it, too. And, uh, and Gummy Bears, when that hit, just the theme song and... Uh, all the adventure style episodes and everything. I went back and watched it. Uh, I know you have it on Disney Plus probably as well. Uh, don't know if you've kind of gone back and watched any episodes, but man, such a great show. So I'm surprised Camp Candy lasted two seasons in that time slot. Right, right. <laughs> so uh, that was uh, pretty interesting there. Uh, it was created by Deke, which is famous for Pole Position, Mask. Inspector Gadget, Alf Tales, Captain N, Heathcliff, HH Rock and Ro- Wrestling, Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan, sorry, yeah, yeah, Cops, and the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. I love that show too. Most <laughs> of these I liked. Yeah. I watched all of these except Alf Tales. I don't know how I missed Alf Tales. And I'm a big fan of Alf, so whatever. Yeah, um, Alf. I don't know if Alf had two shows or if it was the same one that I remember, but it was had this like doo wop theme to it. Uh. I remember watching some episodes. It was on Mel Mac and uh, I don't know. That might be one we need to put in the uh, <laughs> in the queue, even though it was I know it was several seasons. But right. Yeah. But uh, anyway, the experience, uh, like I said, I have no recollection of of uh, Camp Candy. So this is truly a discovered for me. Mm-hmm. I've already mentioned that, you know, I, I, I would like to go walk back and watch Alf Tales. I'm a big fan of Alf. I do remember watching Captain N uh, vaguely, just a few episodes, not too many. Mm-hmm. And like I said, Muppet Babies, yeah, that was the one thing. I, I don't know why, but I remember, I don't remember it on a Saturday. I remember on a, a weekday for some reason, but I could Oh, really? Know. Maybe it was a rerun on Nickelodeon or something. <laughs> yeah. Captain N kind of annoyed me because of Mother Brain. Mother Brain had that huge voice. And just, yes. I don't know. It was like nails on a chalkboard to me here in uh, Mother Brain's voice, but... I do remember uh, Captain N, and I think it was the second or third season of that, they brought in Game Boy, mm-hmm. and Game Boy was voiced by uh, Frank Welker, actually. Um, and it was that was kind of an annoying character to me as well. So didn't watch too much Captain N. It was more or less if I was visiting somebody staying over, and it, you know they were into it. So uh, we'll get into the development now. The uh, series was created by three people, um, at least that's what Wikipedia and IMDb tells us. Joel Andrike, who uh, is known mainly for his work on uh, Power Rangers shows. He was the executive producer on the uh, recent movie, actually, and uh, co-produced a couple Power Rangers series in the 90s. Uh, Ellen Levy Sarnoff, she uh, was a co-producer on the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers TV show. She created two kids' game shows that uh, I remember one pretty vividly, I'm Telling, which was a Saturday morning show, and uh, I think it had like a brother-sister combination teams, and the only thing I remember about it is the end game where they had this like platform of prizes, and they had a whirlybird light at each prize. And the trick was the sister would pick for the brother, all right, what does my brother one out of these i think it was like 10 prizes maybe and you chose actually no it might have been like seven and you had to choose five and you're trying to get like 10 matches or something anyway 
I don't remember the exact thing, but you'd walk through the, oh yeah, my brother wants the basketball hoop and you'd hit the thing. And if the whirly bird light lit up, you got a match and then you just kind of choose around. Uh, do you remember that show at all? I'm telling. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one was called couch potatoes. Uh, very short lived hosted by Mark Summers of double dare fame. Uh, don't remember that show at all. Do you remember Couch Potatoes? No. Nickelodeon, I think if, if this is around that era, this is uh, when we had just moved out to Eden. And our satellite dish, the package we had, didn't have Nickelodeon. So, no Nick for me. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't know if that was a Nickelodeon show or not, but uh, I have to go back and look at some episodes because that didn't ring a bell for me. Uh, Ellen uh, Sarnoff also created... The Little Shop cartoon, which was the adaptation of the Little Shop of Horrors movie uh, on Saturday mornings. I think that was short-lived, maybe a season or two. And then she was also the creative consultant for Captain N, the Game Master, uh, to name a few of her credits. And then Phil Harnage actually had 59 credits on IMDb for writing uh, a few episodes here and there of several shows, including uh, He-Man and She-Ra, Alf Tales, Super Mario Brothers. Zelda, Bill and Ted, Where's Waldo, season two of G.I. Joe. Uh, just He would write a, a handful of episodes for uh, several of those. And then he also has some creative and adapting credits um, for the Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, Captain Planet, Double Dragon, and Street Sharks, to name a couple of those. So very much uh, the creators of the show had a knack for kids programming and uh, animation, all of that. So I was kind of wondering how, you know, how did the show get developed? How did John Candy get involved? You know, was he the driving force behind it? Really couldn't get any information, didn't see any information out there. And that's why I just simply, well, I knew that his daughter was on Twitter, Jennifer Candy. I'll take a shot in the dark. And I, tweeted her a question. I said, is there any information on the web about the development of Camp Candy beyond what Wikipedia has to offer? And we're planning to cover, you know, the show on an upcoming podcast. And uh, she did reply. She said, it's slim pickings, it seems. It was a passion project. He loved the cottage and lake at Muskoka. And uh, it was the thing to do in the time for actors to do cartoons, like Bobby's World. You know, Bobby was... Uh, Howie Mandel, he uh, was the voice behind Bobby's World, and I think some other actors at the time went into some animation. But yeah, I didn't really get too much of an answer on, hey, they wanted John to do a cartoon, or he wanted to do the show himself. Didn't really uh, get any answers behind that. But um, nonetheless, I was very grateful that she responded and gave us uh, some insight into the show. Great. She, she said it's a passion project, so that tells me that at least he had uh, a big interest into it. I, I don't know if he was the creator, but maybe someone yeah. came to him about, hey, do you want to do a cartoon? You know, everybody else is. Why don't you? And, right, hey, right. We should do a, a camp-style thing like this. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure he was, there. yeah, I'm sure he was uh, in the development process at some point, and you know, being a, if she's saying it's a, it was a passion project and he loved uh, going out to the lake, spending time at this lake, then it must have been something that he kind of came up with in his mind as well. And they expanded on it. So that's at least what I would like to think. Um, just a couple other uh, notes here behind the development of the show. One of the writers, Betty Burney, won a Humanitas Prize Award in 1991 for Camp Candy. Uh, really the only thing that it was ever nominated for. And these awards are for writing intended to promote human dignity, meaning, and freedom. And it's kind of like the uh, the Nobel Peace Prize Award for television, essentially, is what I was reading about it. And uh, it was for one... Camp Candy episodes were split in half, generally, for the first two seasons. And this was one half of uh, the first episode in the second season called The Glasnost Menagerie. And we'll talk about it a little bit. I did watch that episode just kind of in preparation for it to see what all the hubbub was about. <laughs> um, but there was uh, several voice directors, too, basically one for each season of the show. Scott Shaw was the voice director for season one. 
He also directed the Ed Grimley animated series for Martin Short. There's one of those where the yeah. uh, comedian did a uh, short run in the animation. That's the name I've been trying to picture. Sorry, just a small funny trail. My uh-huh. my daughter has this one little tuft of hair, but it's a, a fair. <laughs> and I have been trying. I've been racking my brains who that is because he had that pointy, almost mm-hmm. a triangle thing. And I have tried... <laughs> going, I've seen this guy. I know I'm not making it up. Yeah, Ed Grimley. I think his catchphrase was "I must say." Anyway, uh, back to Scott Shaw. He won four Emmys for his directing and storyboard artwork for Muppet Babies, and worked on dozens of other cartoons in the '80s. And for nearly ten years, Shaw was the senior art director at Ogilvy and Mather in Los Angeles, where he co-wrote, co-directed, storyboarded, and designed. Hundreds of animated television commercials for Post Fruity and Cocoa Pebbles cereal. So that is your uh, that is your voice director <laughs> doing all those uh, you know Fred and <laughs> Barney commercials for Pebbles straight out of the Flintstones there. So that was uh, neat to have that kind of history behind there. Also big into comic books as far as artistry and stuff. Dan Thompson was the uh, voice director for season two. His directing and animation career includes The Rugrats, G.I. Joe, Transformers, Incredible Hulk, and Tiny Toon Adventures. Pretty good pedigree there. And then Winston Richard was the voice director for season three. And he has mainly producing credits in his career. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, X-Men the Animated Series, and Little Shop. So there's a little uh, background into some of the people behind the scenes of Camp Candy and uh, pretty good pedigree there, I would say, as far as uh, surrounding yourself with uh, some people in the industry that was ho- it was you know pushed towards a hopefully a successful run for John Candy. But you know, three seasons I thought was actually pretty <laughs> pretty amazing. Uh, considering what we got. But I'll throw it back over to you for the broadcast and home video history here that I wrote down. Right uh, right now, like we said, we have uh, three seasons. First was the fall of 1989 for 13 episodes. Second, fall of 1990 for 14 episodes. And third season was syndicated in 1992. Three-episode bundles were released to VHS by Video Treasures and Saban Entertainment in 1993, including the titles Christmas, Planetary Adventure, and Comedy Capers. Unfortunately, we never did get a, an official DVD release, but it's streaming on YouTube. And we we're happy to put a link on there. I found a, a, uh, a playlist, but mm-hmm. as I learned, it's not in any order. It's basically just thrown in as we yeah. so I have no idea what season I was on. I would say the <laughs> first three that I watched were probably season one. After that, I don't think it was season one. But. Yeah, there was... Um... I, I was trying to look back and forth between Wikipedia that has the the list of episodes for each season and was trying to go in order uh, at least to start with. And then once I learned that it was switched up a little bit in season three where there was actually some live action segments with John Candy, uh, kind of in the vein of Mr. T. You know, if you remember the Mr. T cartoon, he would do little live action segments talking about the show, get into the show, and then have a little wrap-up at the end. And uh, season three, uh, I did find uh, at least two episodes on YouTube where you get the live-action segments with John at the beginning and at the end. So, uh, And that was one, I think, one larger episode, not necessarily split up for those uh, season three episodes, but you can kind of go back and forth, but you're right. There's no uh, really rhyme or reason on YouTube. They don't name the season and episode numbers or anything like that. But um, yeah, we're going to just touch on the merchandise that I was able to dig up. Uh, It was pretty scarce. I did find uh, they released some camp candy jigsaw puzzles back in the day that were, you know, kids, size i think maybe 60 pieces was in those but there was uh, several different images there did see a camp candy lunchbox the old plastic lunchbox with the thermos that was pretty cool and an iron-on patch remember those oh, <laughs> remember yes. you, those were big back in the day uh just get a patch sometimes you get them in like cereal boxes and stuff oh, yeah. and 
get your mom to iron it on your you know jacket or t-shirt or whatever you wanted to do but that's really all i could find as far as the merchandise there might be more out there but uh didn't really do a lot of investigating to uh find that i do and this is uh part of what um I've had in the back of my mind uh, over the years, at least over the last few years, is I was able to get my hands on some of the comic books. There was a short run of six issues published from May to October in 1990 by Marvel, actually. And it re- wasn't, uh, this was past their Star Comics era. They Marvel had this uh, Star Comics brand that was for basically licensed kids-centered comics. I believe, uh, I want to say the Thundercats run was under Star Comics. Maybe uh, Masters of the Universe. I can't remember all the different brands. But it was things like that. But this was actually past that, and it's actually branded Marvel on the comics. I've got, um, I think, about three or four of the six issues. I need to complete that, actually, just so I have the whole set. But uh, I thought that was interesting that they pushed it, at least through the comics world, for six months. And uh, I haven't look, gone back to look and see if they are actually like episodes that they adapted. I'd be curious to find out. So I might uh, might do that a little bit after the fact here and I can uh, let y'all know. But uh, yeah, that was basically it for the merchandise. Wasn't really heavily pushed in the stores to, uh, which is surprising over two seasons that they didn't do, you know, once you get um, popular on Saturday morning or at least uh, are on Saturday morning, there should be more stuff out there to uh, kind of push you to watch, but it didn't seem like there was too much there. But let's go ahead and get into the show, and uh, we'll talk about kind of the overall synopsis of the episodes. Right, so the setting was really just uh, the adventures of a camp counselor who happened to be John Candy, who ran the fictitious Camp Candy summer camp. The... We'll call it the episode formula. Uh, like Jason said earlier, that most of the episodes were split. So you got a 15-minute, or probably less than that, of like a 13 and a 13 mm-hmm. uh, episode. So it was two and one, kind of like the Heathcliff and the, the Rugrats or rug, whatever they were called. Cadillac Cats. Cadillac Cats, yep. So anyway, so they almost all the seasons begin with John Candy trying to show an outdoor skill to the campers which would then remind him of a story. And then he would just relive it during the entire episode in narration. Once upon a time, there was a magical kingdom where everyone was always happy. The name of the kingdom was Camp Candy. All summer long, lads and lasses visited the happy kingdom. Once they arrived, they lived happily ever after. Unless, of course, rain. Rain and camp don't go together very well, unless there's a counselor with a brilliant idea. (laughs) You know... In season two, live action segments were added, like Jason said earlier, with John talking about nature and ecology. Actually, season three. I'm sorry. Yeah, my apologies. No, I I meant to change that. But yeah, and those segments, too, they were it seemed like he had filmed them like all in one swoop because he's wearing the same outfit, same jacket. And maybe that was intentional to. Well, I guess he was wearing more of a. I guess it was more than a T-shirt than he was what he was wearing. It was more of like a cargo shirt, but he must have just kind of filmed them all together and they spliced it in, you know, at the for each episode of what they were talking about. But yeah, uh, season three is where the, those live action segments started. We all realize the importance of recycling. Did you know that nature has its own way of recycling? After today's show, we'll talk about how nature recycles. And then oh. we move on to the, our our characters and voice actors. Yeah, and like I said, when it went into syndication, the uh, voice actors changed. So there was um, basically a voice actor for the first two seasons and then another one for the third season. And there was uh, a few that were, I would say, notable. Nobody that uh, really... I think would jump out to us, Wyatt, uh, as far as being one of the top voice actors of the 80s. One that did take over in season three was E.G. Daly. And she was she's the voice of Tommy Pickles in the Rugrats. 
Powerpuff Girls. She does a lot of different voices, but she's been uh, up mainly in the, I would say more in the 90s and 2000s as one of the more well-known voice actors. But uh, more of the additional voice casters you'll see here, uh, Gary Chalk, Pat Fraley, See, you know, see who else is in here. There's actually uh, Eugene Levy, who is uh, John Candy's partner in Armed and Dangerous, lent right. his voice in season three, just as a more of a, an additional voice, is not a, necessarily a, a character. But um, one interesting note too is John's kids, Jennifer and Christopher, lent their voice to some episodes. I couldn't. I tried to ask her actually. I, I did a follow up question. Do you remember anything about? the characters you played or any of that experience. And she didn't respond, but he brought in his kids to get involved with the show as well. So not really, uh, you know, anybody that would stand out to us that we've uh, been talking about right away uh, on these shows, but let's get into the characters a little bit. And we'll talk about the, the kids that were in uh, the episodes and, and the, uh, the villain will say that popped up uh, every once in a while. So there was uh, Robin McHale was one of the kids. She was the nature-loving African-American girl in the show. Can we just run through these, or do you want to go back and forth? We could go back and forth. Alexandria Dawson, who played a redheaded tomboy girl. Yep, known as Alex. Then you had uh, Vanessa Carter. She was the rich valley girl and, like, snobbish fashionista, you would say, uh, during the show. Then we have... E.G. Jarvis, Iggy. who was a yep. uh, bespect. Uh, he wore uh, glasses. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <Yeah>. holy cow. <laughs> I, I, seen... I pulled these from Wikipedia, so okay. I'm, I'm, my, yeah. my so vocabulary kid, is not that. Uh... Kid that wears uh, glasses, but he's also a hypochondriac. Yeah. And then uh, Iggy's more adventurous younger brother, Gregory. He is the more uh, adventurous younger brother and the youngest member of the gang. Then we have Rick Rogers, who is an amateur, but a talented prankster. And then uh, Theodore, who is the uh, chubby blonde kid, we'll say. <laughs> then we have Nurse Molly, who seems to have an infatuation with John throughout That's the entire right. episodes. Yep. And then the main bad guy that will pop in once in a while is Xavier DeForest Third, and his right-hand man here. Chester. We were in the rainforest, all right, and everything in sight was kind of magical. But out of sight, everything wasn't so beautiful. Our neighbors in the rainforest were Rex DeForest III and his sidekick, Chester. Good boy, Chester. You pull, and I push, then I pull, and you push. Sure thing, boss. A piece of cake. <clears throat> hey, what's that sound? You idiot! I told you to pull! Whoa, boss! Whoa! Sorry! Rex and Chester were cutting all those poor trees just to make little wooden boxes, with Rex figuring to make millions. As we kind of transition into the show, and as far as uh, watching episodes and stuff... The Xavier DeForest character and his involvement, you know, he's always trying to shut down the camp or find a way to, you know, mess with the camp and mess with John. It reminded me a little bit of Ernest Goes to Camp and the whole premise and plot of that where you've got the guy trying to, you know, shut him down, trying yep, to yep. get the land back. And it had that feel as I'm watching the show. I was like, oh, this is like a animated Ernest Goes to Camp almost. I saw but, that several times. Yeah, but it was much more than that, too, because they didn't always have him in every episode. He was brought in, and more of them were just the stories that John was telling, too. Going back to the award-winning uh, episode where the writer won the uh, Humanities Prize Award, the episode, I don't know, if did you get a chance to watch it? I watched most of it. And okay. it looked a lot better than what the episodes I've seen before. Uh, it was put, it was, it was, I call it assembled a lot better than, than mm-hmm. the other episodes. 
Yeah, it was. Um, they were all kind of preparing for this foreign exchange student to come. Uh, this little girl from Russia, and uh, she comes and basically whips them all into shape. And she's uh, getting up at the crack of dawn, doing jumping jacks and going for swims and <laughs> just running laps around the other campers there. And the tomboy, the red-haired girl, um, Alex. She is a little bit jealous of her. She's getting the attention, and she's the tomboy. She's the one that kind of takes charge around there when something needs to happen. So this exchange student is kind of invading her territory. But I can see why that it's won the award, you know, for foreign exchange and and um, the environment of accepting somebody, you know, into your friendship and camp and that sort of thing. There's all kinds of immigrants and everything throughout our country. Our country was built on immigration. So I think that's why it was nominated and actually won the award. So, yeah, I, I thought it was a, a fun episode compared. Was there any other, I mean, what what was your overall take, I guess, of when you started watching episodes? Well, I think they're going to lean into our likes and dislikes. But the overall feel of it was just like John narrating obviously narrating his adventures at the of the camp and it was always with those kids it seemed like they were the same kids it wasn't like another group it was more like hey do you remember johnny when we did this this and this yeah that was that episode you know that's the take on it the i guess annoying part was that that it felt like they it was supposedly like last year's camp i don't know it seemed like it was just a distant enough right that, you know i yeah. remember when like I do, and probably you do too. You know, I remember this song back in 1986. You know, Jeff Fresh Prince, and, <laughs> and our kids are rolling their eyes already, going, "Who, who, who is that? What?" My wife does that to me. <laughs> um, but that's how I took most of these episodes as just exactly that, just just him reminiscing. But something triggers that memory, which is me. It's funny. <laughs> I, I do the same thing, but it's annoying when I'm watching the cartoon. Uh, but he's, you know, hey, I remember, say, remember this? And, and it sparked a whole, obviously, an episode. Yeah. How about um, you? What was your take on the on the show? Yeah, I mean, it was, I, I think the good parts about it was it had enough flavor that when you're watching episode to episode, it does have a formula, but it's not always the same um, point A to point B. Because, you know, he'll be messing around camp. And then there'll be the episodes where he does trigger a memory and he'll tell a story. Sometimes it's more of a ghost story or a, one of the earlier ones. It might have been even the first or second episode where the trees come to life yeah. that he's telling. It's, it's more of like a ghost story. I thought that was really fun. So he basically he gathers the campers around and to tell them the story. And they're kind of asking questions as it, the story is going along, too. And he might be embellishing a little bit. But the campers' personalities don't always necessarily translate or come out. Because it is. It's just like a memory. It's like he's just telling a story about a memory of a couple years ago or several years ago at the camp. And uh, telling the campers that are currently there. And then you've got other episodes where you get the actual personalities of the kids coming out. I was watching one of them where they... John is like telling them to do a bunch of chores around camp... And the rich girl goes out and buys this robot camper. Yeah. And did you see that one? I did. And uh, she's uh, basically trying to assist them and how things are much better with the robot that can do all this work and fix everything up, make it nice and modern. And uh, then it goes haywire. I think John actually tries to shut it off and he gets short-circuited and yep. it goes crazy. But you you get to see the personality of all the kids there the kid with the glasses kind of worrying about what it's going to do. And the tomboy girl, she's like, well, we got all this other, what was it made out of plastic or metal or something that he built all those, uh, or reinforced all of the buildings yeah, out of. Yeah. And I, I missed the wood. I missed the ruggedness of it, you know? And, uh, John was afraid that the robot might replace him or something, you know? So you had those kind of episodes where more of the kids' personality came out, which I, I think I enjoyed better. But it just seemed like there was no uh, 
well, we did talk about the formula, but like I said, there's different ways that they ran the show, in other words. And it wasn't a lot of cohesion, even in the middle of the episodes, when you got the split episodes. Some was that way where you're telling the story, and then some was just uh, something happened in that camp. And um, one thing I was hoping to see more of, too, was more of John's personality. I guess you get some of that in there. Uh, he is kind of bumbling, like you said. Uh, he's always ending up at uh, the nurse station there, and she's always patching him up with happenings around camp and, and stuff. And I guess that kind of plays towards John. A and little uh, he, and, he was not the character we're familiar with, you know, the, the, the true comic relief. Mm-hmm. You know, Great Outdoors. Heck, it was not even Great Outdoors. It was... Oh, no. Yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> Don't even go there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's where I was hoping we uh, he would shine a little bit more through. And there were some uh, sometimes when I was uh, watching episodes where you would get that little uh, John laugh like that, almost like, <laughs> you know, uh, John Candy laugh. Right. Wherever this dart sticks, that's where we're going. Ooh, aim for Beverly Hills. Wrong map, Vanessa. Now this is what I call facing the unknown. We're going uh, off the map. (laughs) And that came through a little bit. And uh, so I was hearing a little bit of kind of what we know in his comedy style. But yeah, I don't know if this really was the right venue for him to really break out or, or, uh, what do I want to say? Carry on. Uh, carry on is, is yeah. Comedy because it just didn't seem to translate well through an animated character to me. Now, like you said, I, I, I was anticipating, again, it's a cartoon. I guess I was hoping it'd be something like the great outdoors. I, I saw a lot of the Ernest goes to camp style with, with it, but it was like the, like, he was either not engaged with the writers or the writers had no clue or not, or wanted to completely do a different character with John mm-hmm. as the counselor. He's the, the kind of the fumbler, but in the end he gets it right. Not completely losing his mind like he would on plane trains, automobiles or another movie. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he's just, I don't know. It felt like he was out of character. If that's the right word to be playing this character, this mm. this cartoon character. You know, uh, I was thinking some too. I can't remember what, which episode it was I was watching. You know, our, the traditional style that we're watching John through the movies is a 90 minute, essentially 90 minute story. Right. And I think the, the, it might've been a little bit better if you went a full 22 minutes with the story versus, those half episodes too. So you're getting real quick stories and anecdotes from John instead of the adventures and, and putting him in uh, situations where it, it kind of has more time to play out. And I, I think that was part of it too, was just that real short episode uh, nature of cartoons in general. But even when you're splitting a half hour episode in two, it's hard for the payoff to come in the same time frame as when you're watching him on movies, you know, but that that's kind of what went through my mind too, uh, watching these episodes, any other little, uh, things maybe you liked or disliked about, uh, you know, watching the show. I only watched about a half dozen episodes. I, I struggled with this, to be honest. I, I, it was, I won't say painful, but it'd be pretty darn close. (laughs) to watch some of these episodes i don't know that the writers had the the ability to make a connection or maybe it's i'm a 44 year old that has never watched this and now trying to watch it yeah and it's not i'm not sinking to that i'm not, not sinking below not i'm not connecting with this episodes or this series just right and uh the only one that i kind of had some fun with was the i think it was the halloween 
I want to say it was for season one because it seemed like it was a fuller episode. And they're driving the one kid with glasses, just paranoid. He thinks, you know, he's he sees what you know. John is just wearing something. They're trying to do, to do a surprise birthday around Halloween masks and all that. And the kid mm-hmm. is already like seeing everything, but he's seeing like the <laughs> monsters' house. He's seeing just the true Dracula. I mean, he's seeing it all in life. Uh, and he's about ready to pass out several times. The I felt bad for the kid of all things. I felt bad because <laughs> the kid's like, what? I can't go anywhere. Yeah. The comedy in the whole thing was he kept interrupting the chess game between the the the, the what was it the the the, the cougar and the bear, the bear and something else. So that I found comedy because they were trying to play a freaking game, which is obviously <laughs> it's, it's something that's not supposed to happen anyway. But they keep moving and moving and moving. It doesn't matter where they go. They, they're always getting their game messed up. Yeah. That was probably my favorite. And that was not all that much better than the rest of them. I like John's character because he's trying to be the voice of reason despite his bumbling. That was really about it. The, the kids yeah. were kind of... It was hard to pinpoint them. Uh, I, I realize you got the, 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 the... Excuse me, the rich little girl. The... the kind of the, the the tomboy girl that you had there they didn't seem to have the same adhesive character traits that should have been there if they're going to stay there stay that keep that that mm-hmm. character like you know we I'm, I'm pointing a mask for now but you know you know matt is the level-headed leader he usually knows the answer to every except this last episode we did he knows the answer to every question no matter what you think you know what miles is like He's after the gold. He's after money, and you're you got to get out of his way or do what he says. That kind of attitude, and they were just they, they yeah. just weren't the right characters every time. So it was hard. Like I said, it's hard for me to connect with this show, and then find it entertaining as well. So, like I said, yeah. I struggled with this whole uh, Camp Candy. And well, how about you? What? Hopefully, you have something better than I do. <laughs> I thought it was good the the variety of kids in their background that they at least attempted to pull Thank off you. was good uh, for the time and the level of kind of uh, what do I want to say like just the level of the knowledge of the environment or even bringing up ways to help the environment I was was kind of surprising to me you know I think of that more as a I guess more modern movement where you know the recycling programs and just you know trying to recognize nature and how best to you know keep it the way it is and then a lot of that came up during the show of especially the one little girl that was just kind of in tune with uh making sure you recycle stuff and you're you're paying attention to the environment that was a nuance especially for us back in you know rural Pennsylvania recycling was a very seldom heard of anything except maybe aluminum cans right didn't do much of recycling so it was very nuanced at least in our neck of the woods yeah sure it wasn't that big of of abundance like it is nowadays yeah where you know they give you recycled cans and trash you know we and yeah we buy the trash cans they give us the recycling cans which doesn't make sense but you know, there's a true, you know, the, and it's, you know, single stream, you know, you put everything in the can versus, okay, this bag's for this, this bag is for that. So I applaud them for that because I'm, I, I think of that. Yeah. So, yeah, I was, that, that was, like I said, it was surprising the, the uh, amount and level that they were trying to teach kids that were watching the show, uh, which I thought was pretty interesting and, and good for the time, uh, that they're trying to invoke that on their uh, young minds that are watching the show. But um, yeah, just uh, I can see where you're coming from just bouncing off what we said earlier. If it was a true like uh, spook story and um, or they had more of a, okay, so we're going to, we're going to do something with the kids first and then we're going to have a time at the end of the day where they build the campfire and John tells a story or something and have more of a formulaic episode where 
this is what you're going to get each time. And jumping all over the place, bringing in the uh, the dude that wants to take over Camp Candy and and mess with them and his right hand man, and just the episodes where he was telling story, just where you know something would happen. Uh, and they would have to, you know, essentially solve a problem before the end of the episode. It was bouncing all over the place, even from season to season too. So uh, maybe they were just trying to test some things out and see what the best formula was. And before <laughs> things got cut off, but for a 13 episode season, you would think they, okay, this is what we're going to do for the first season. And we're going to boom. And, it just seemed like they were trying to bounce ideas or, or try new things throughout even the first season that like the sh- show was almost doomed from the beginning. That's why I was like, I was surprised it actually went three seasons. But anyway, for what it was worth, I mean, it was fun to check out and to understand the show, try to get a concept of what they were pulling off. We didn't mention the the music, the intro music for the show was more of a, okay, which we always, you know, everybody has that camp experience as a kid and you'd always sing songs around the campfire and you've got, you know, on top of old Smokey and all these other songs that you always sung at camp. And I think that's kind of what they were going for with the intro, but with John actually singing the intro music, that was a little hard to stomach though. Uh, John was not a singer (laughs) and, uh, they uh, over the closing credits, it got a little bit better, but um, that was off to like kind of a sour note to start the show as well. So yeah, it was just uh, I was hoping, I was wishing it would have came together a little bit more as I was watching it. But I think like you, I just got kind of deflated after watching. I don't know, I don't know how many episodes I watched, maybe eight or ten, and I was like, okay, I've experienced it, and I'm done. <laughs> I, I uh, was trying to go for five, and I'm like, well, I'll at least make a half a dozen. And I, that sixth one, I'm, I'm going. Are you, yeah, Jason, I don't know if we can even do this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I, you know, as our final verdict here, we've already kind of hinted at it, but I'm guessing you want to leave this one in the past instead of. I, uh, I hate to it. say it, but because I like my '80s stuff or even stuff, but this one, this is. Yeah, leave it in the past. Let it be where it is. <laughs> and I'm I'm going to put my vote that way as well. Um, if you want to just go out and check out an episode, I would recommend, you know, just go out and see what it was like if you never caught it back in the day. But um, I would guess you're not going to get past a few episodes before you'll see some of the nuances that we talked about and just how it's hard to uh, just watch, you know, full seasons of it, like some of the other shows that we really like. So, unfortunately, Camp Candy was a little bit of a downer. I haven't had too many in this run, Wyatt, uh, on Rediscovered. That movie that we <laughs> that we did with uh, David Hasselhoff, that was a little rough. I think yes, that might that be was, the other that one that, uh, that we've uh, left in the past. But I think we are back around to a movie next time, right? We are, so we'll have to, we do have a list, and like we joke about in these episodes, we will talk probably offline to figure out if there's even anything that's accessible to watch. (laughs) That's the cliffhanger we'll give you for for these episodes. Yeah, Yeah, so we've got a, you know, we've gone through the list before, so we won't do, uh, go through it again, but it's just kind of what jumps out at us at the time, and if it's available on those streaming services like Amazon or Tubi or Hulu, I've actually dropped Netflix. So that one's out we're, for me. We're about ready to drop that. It there's, it's all just Netflix stuff anymore. There's not much like independent or I say independent, everything else, you know? Yeah. Well, everything is aligning. I mean, we've gone from streaming services that offer a wide variety of shows across multiple production companies and platforms to now everybody wants their own thing. So it's almost like we're back around to cable again and to get your NBC shows, you're going to have to get the Peacock app and to get your CBS shows, you need the CBS app. And I mean, it's just, you know how it is uh, with all the streaming services nowadays. So we've kind of come almost full circle, which kind of sucks. Uh, most of them, I'll say, has a free option, but there's still some 
like Netflix that uh that don't have a free option. So we'll see how uh see how it goes and what we can dig up for the next episode of Rediscovered. So movie time. That's it. Anxious to get through a movie. Usually uh those go a little bit quicker as far as uh watching and, and note taking and and getting it back up. So hopefully before too long here we can get you the next uh rediscovered up. But we uh do appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. We appreciate our YouTube watchers as well as we uh, throw up our recording sessions over there and you get to see our wonderful camp candy backgrounds and your uh, wonderful television set there that has the camp candy uh, picture on it. <laughs> this has been, uh, been fun messing with the backgrounds. So yeah. check us out on YouTube. If you're not, uh, if you're getting the podcast version of this, you can always check us out over there as well. So it was fun, man. I've been, no, it was kind of a downer show, but it's always fun to go back and watch these uh, that's, offerings. You know, that's that why we people. gave it really just a two, you know, basically two points. You like it or you don't. And it's not <laughs> like our mass cast where it's one to five, and right. whatever scale. This is a pretty hard, hard stop. You know, hey, go <laughs> rediscover. It. Yeah. yeah. Or, nope, you just leave it right back there in 1989 where it was. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we will. Uh, let you know what's coming up in the uh, the next episode here before too long and uh, again thank you guys for watching and listening to us and we will catch you next time on Rediscovered thanks for listening to Rediscovered right here on the Rediscover the 80s podcast feed find our show notes at rediscoverthe80s.com and watch our recording sessions on the Rediscover the 80s YouTube channel. Theme music provided by Bart Graft. Visit bartgraft.bandcamp.com for more retro wave music. Join us again next time as we review more TV, movies, and animation from the 80s right here on Rediscovered. Support our team.